Welcome to The Wonder, exploring perspectives, rituals, and observances of modern naturalistic, earth-revering pagan religious paths. Here are your hosts, Yucca and Mark. Welcome back to The Wonder, science-based paganism. I'm one of your hosts, Yucca. And I'm the other one, Mark. And this week, we're talking about reintegrating with normal life after you've had some kind of experience like a retreat, which we're going to be talking about the one we were just on, or a really impactful ritual or something like that. There's a lot that happens in our brains when we go through these transformational peak experiences. And there are things that we can do to kind of smooth our transition back into the ordinary routines of our life and to make that emotional transition easier. So we're going to talk about that stuff today. And to be bringing some of that with us too, right? To not just be closing the door and saying that was one experience. Now, now I'm back to my other one, but being able to bring bring the things with us that we want from that while still not living in that space all the time. Because right. as, as much as we want to, that's not what everyday life is. And it probably wouldn't be very good for us if that was the case anyways, to be in that open and raw and kind of heightened of experience. Yes. And I mean, it can be dangerous. One of the things that happens when we're really kind of blown open that way is that We tend to be really focused on our internal experience and we can make clumsy mistakes. Merging into a lane that has somebody in it. It has somebody in it. Exactly. So operating heavy machinery is not advisable immediately after going through some kind of impactful experience like that. So we're going to talk about all that, but let's start with a little reporting about the Sun Tree Retreat that happened last weekend that we were both at. It was a very powerful experience for me. The people were so kind and so open and so growth oriented and so no nonsense in the sense of critical thinking and science orientation. It was really, I, I, I saw this group of people gathered and it was exactly the same as the picture in my mind of the (laughs) non-theist paganism community that I have always hoped for. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was, it was pretty amazing. It was, it was just so interesting, all of the different types of people. And yet the things that many of us had in common, I personally really appreciated being around other pagan parents. Mm-hmm. And uh, talking about just the kind of, you know, that one, the, just the connection, just the, the human connection, but also having those same kinds of themes and talking about, you know, how these were the things that we were balancing our, in our families and considerate and family considerations, because that's something that I don't find as much discussion of that in the online spaces, because mm-hmm. there's so many different kinds of people, right? Um but the the family orientation isn't usually the main focus that I find in pagan spaces. That's really true. And I think it's especially true in, in physical, in-person gathered spaces, because there tends to be a lot of focus on adult activity and, you know, just adults playing the way adults like to play. There's I, practical reasons for that, right? For sure. Yeah. 
for sure. That said, if this is going to be a multi-generational movement, you have to incorporate the next generation. Right? <laughs> yeah. And so there has to be a place for children and there has to be things for them to do. And the the rituals, the symbolic activities need to be comprehensible mm -hmm. to children. There needs to be some reason why they would participate. So I was super glad that we had a, a workshop about building a wheel of the year with your family. For example, mm -hmm. John Cleland hosts a workshop and there were fun activities like body painting and things like that, that, you know, face painting and all that good stuff that would make a lot of sense to a little kid. Yeah. Well, and, my, and one of my kiddos was there and she was just delighted and is still, you know, still high off the experience of it. And everyone, I was just blown away at how incredible the whole community was just so welcoming with her. And I think she wanted to, to adopt everyone. <laughs> so they were just amazing. Well, she wasn't alone. I mean, I kind of feel like I wanted to adopt everyone <laughs> too. Yeah. And that is, I mean, honestly, that is really what we're talking about in this podcast is that that deep connected sense and this sort of longing and loss that happens when you separate and go your, your diverse ways. There's a reason why we feel that. And it's because when we have that deep human contact and we feel, we feel a kinship with other people, there's a hormone called oxytocin that gets released into our brains. Mm -hmm. And oxytocin is about pair bonding and hyper-focus. And it has, it has a number of different functions, but particularly it's the love hormone. It's mm -hmm. the, the thing that gets released a lot when you feel a deep affinity with another person. Right. It's, it's that mammalian connection. Yes. I, yes. I think that the oxytocin is in, non-mammals as well but it plays different roles in different kinds of creatures but in mammals that's the that's our bonding right right, right. you know yeah and by the time Suntree retreat ended and it was only three days i felt really bonded with the people in this group you know we had shared common struggles we had how old at the moon <laughs> howled, howled at the at the eclipsing moon yep. and shared this experience together of doing these workshops doing these rituals sharing meals together the whole thing was really quite an adventure and so now the challenge is how do you integrate mm -hmm. what you've learned and experienced from that into your daily life but also really get your feet back on the ground in your daily life Right. And there's, I mean, there's different approaches that I think are all important, but one of the first ones is remembering that we are our bodies mm -hmm. and that when we go through experiences like that, or again, maybe like a, just a really intense ritual or something like that, that we need to take care of ourselves on that really practical level, something like a longer experience like that. I personally was quite sleep deprived. Um, <laughs> Me I too. think Mark, you stayed up quite, quite a bit later than I did. There was some... I did. I stayed up till about three o'clock in the morning on both Saturday and Sunday nights. And then uh, 
breakfast at eight, right? Breakfast at eight thirty. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't feel sleep deprived in the moment. And then I'm sure because of all the sort of neurotransmitter hormonal stuff going on. But once we started driving home, which was two and a half days for me and the yeah. the two guys that I drove home with, I was dozing in the car and slept really hard the first night because I was so sleep deprived. But sleep deprivation is actually something that contributes to that vulnerable emotional state. Right. But once you come out on the other side, there may be some catching up to do, yes. right? Really yes. take a look at that sleep hygiene, all of those things that, that are important on an everyday basis, but especially when you're coming out of that vulnerable state, you're going to really want to, if you can try and protect that time, you right. know, this is the time for the sleeping and whatever it is that you do to help yourself with that, the sleep masks or dark rooms or the temperature, all of those you know, turning off the screens and that sort of thing. And at the same time, be aware that sleep deprivation significantly impairs our response times, our eye-hand coordination, a lot of different physical attributes. So it's important, you know, maybe the day after you get back from something like this, maybe you don't get behind the wheel of a car. If possible, yeah. And And it's one of those things we don't, we don't see it in ourselves. The studies are really clear that our self-perception versus the outside objective perception of of us is very different when it comes to sleep deprivation. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So it's easy to tell yourself, oh, I'm fine. You're not fine. And (laughs) it's important to just you know, go with your knowledge that you're not fine, even if it feels as though you're fine and take care of yourself, do what you can to be safe. And, and I would say that that's true at two levels. It's true at the level of your body's health, but it's also true of your heart, mm-hmm. of your, of your emotions, because when you come out of an experience like that, you can be very tender and very vulnerable and you can get hurt easily. And it takes a while to kind of put back up the ordinary calluses that we have to protect ourselves from little things that might affect us otherwise. It's, it's really a strange experience for me this week because I haven't had this kind of experience for quite a while. I mean, I've been to other sort of festivals where I had some of this experience but I've never been to an event where I felt such complete kinship with the people, mm-hmm. you know, that we're, we're self-selected to be people who are non-theist pagans and being surrounded by a big crowd of those folks mm-hmm. was really profound to yeah. me. And so I miss it now. Right. Um, but I have to keep marching on in my life and doing light life things. Mm-hmm. And it ebbs day by day. And so a part of the way that I have approached this as besides just trying to take care of my physical self is to be in touch over social media as best I can with the people who were there. And I also wrote a blog post about reintegration to sort of walk through my own experience of this, because I suspected that many of the rest of us were having the same kind of experience. Right. Yeah. So we'll put the link for that if people want to check that out. Yeah. The the blog post. Yeah. 
Yeah. So as as Yucca said, this is you know it it's, doesn't have to be a big multi-day festival that affects you this way. It can be a really heavy therapy session, right? You know, where something really shifts or you realize that something has been really stirred up. The same kinds of self-care activities are really important to do at this time. Anything that really goes to your deep emotions and stirs up your limbic system in that in that intense kind of way. These are the same things we need to do for ourselves when we go through a breakup. Right. If it's a breakup that we didn't want or a breakup that still causes a lot of loss and regret for us, not the kind of breakup where you're like, thanks, bye, just go away now. I mean, I know those exist. I've heard about them, but I have never experienced it that way. Yeah, yeah, Um, yeah. But that's something that ritual can help with. Yes. If, well, it's really great if all the parties involved, but even if it's just you and you want to have a ritual about that, that's something that, that can be very helpful. Yeah, I have conducted a dissolution ritual and it was really pretty powerful. You know, the separate, the, the symbolic separation of the lives of the two people so that they could go off in opposite directions. Um, it was, it was a powerful thing to do. And of course the trick there is to see whether all the participating parties will actually show up to do the thing. And, you know, in some cases, one or both of them are one or, or more of them are mad. Mm -hmm. So they won't do what the other person wants them to do, even if it would be good for them. But it's, it's something, you know, if, if a dissolution is coming in your life, it is something to consider whether you do it for yourself or whether you do it with the, the people that you're splitting up with. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, the, this is re- this really goes to kind of the care and feeding of the, the tender parts of ourselves. And, you know, we live in a world that can be pretty harsh at times. Yeah. I mean, certainly just turning on the news can be just like, ouch, 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 ouch. Yeah. And so it's very important, especially if we've done some significant emotional, psychological work to care for ourselves in all those different ways. And that can also mean connecting with other people that are in our ordinary lives, you know, getting some of that, that bonding feeling with people that we're already connected to. Right. And that's also for folks who have um, who live with non-human animals, like our cats and dogs and, and creatures like that, that uh, we definitely share these really deep connections with, you know, your, your good cuddle per session Mm -hmm. can definitely assist in kind of, you know, easing out of that experience. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So it's, it's funny, while I was gone, our cat was apparently extremely needy and, <laughs> and cuddly with Nemea. And now that I'm back, she's extremely needy and cuddly with both of us in a way that she wasn't yeah. before. But she, her, her initial response when I came back was this sort of outraged meow, like, where have you been? <laughs> so that was, that was good. That's good. I'm glad you didn't get the uh, I'm mad at you snub that cats do sometimes. So like, oh. It's you. Yeah. I wasn't hurt or mad that you left. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. And the other thing you can do is you can, 
without being obsessive about it, you can, you know, create some reminders for yourself about that experience and what you loved about it. My desktop image right now is the group photo that we took at the end of Suntree Retreat, just so that I can see those faces and remember, you know, right. the, the, the many great interactions that I had over the course of that weekend, particularly the rites of passage section, which was just a really moving, mm -hmm. moving set of rituals yeah. and ended with a wedding, which is always upbeat and happy. <laughs> and that was good. Yeah. Yeah, we, we took a few items. There were, you know, gifts that people had, but we also picked up, we just took a few pine cones. I took and, a pine cone too. Yeah. <laughs> and we live somewhere with a lot of pine cones, but these pine cones got to go in a special spot. And uh -huh. so, you know, they're to, to us who experienced it, we know what those pine cones are. Those specific ones have a important meaning to us. But if someone else was to walk into the house, it's, Oh, there's there's a pine cone over there and there's 20 more over there uh -huh. but no but these ones you know there's they still have that feeling right when we look at them like oh yeah right sure okay that whole thing that's that's real right that's part that's part of us now mm -hmm. you know and it's great to do that too because that's a part of teaching your kids about ritual creation right i mean mm -hmm. these these pine cones became sacred objects because they're symbolic of a particular experience and that's that's a great thing to teach kids because then they can choose their own make their own start to develop a ritual practice mm -hmm. right so let's touch on a couple of other specific things that people might want to keep in mind. We talked about the sleep. They're talking about also maybe not just related to the sleep, but if you can avoid getting behind the car, the wheel of a car or heavy um, machinery, things like that. But you might also be a little bit more mindful with making sure that you're getting a meal that is going to, you know, not be spiking your blood sugar really high and making you super yeah. hyper and, you know, taking care of getting whatever the food is that really feels good and grounding to you, you know, be mindful about, okay, maybe that's going to be more appropriate than right. the, going and through the, your fast food or whatever it is. And the impulse may be because there's this sort of longing to get back to this high place, the impulse may be to go for sugar yeah, um, or caffeine or energy drinks or whatever those or things just are. Just try and fill it in. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, that is an impulse that honestly should be resisted. It's, it's much better to get something that's solid and weighty and grounding into you so that you can, you know, get get your head straight again in a way that balances the experience that you've had with the life that you're in and then there are creative things that you can do like writing or mm -hmm. songwriting or you know even spoken word just into a tape recorder about what your experience was like what you learned mm -hmm. how that how that can impact your life going forward. I really feel that the people who went to this event were changed. I know I was. And now I'm exploring how was I changed? Right. Yeah. I certainly know that was the case for me coming home and, and, you know, I greeted my 
greeted my land coming back and, you know, went inside where partner and, and youngest child were and, and cat who was very happy to see us. <laughs> but I, you know, I remember sitting back down on, on the, just sitting down on the couch and just thinking about some of the things that had really come up for me and re and about the way that people treated each other was just so amazing and refreshing and welcoming and and kind kind right super and, kind tentful like like they really paid attention right and that yes. was something i remember sitting down and going okay i that felt good that felt yeah. feeding how do I make sure that that's something that I continue to have in my life? Because, wow, that was really, that helped, right? I'm an introvert. I don't spend time around a lot of people. Right. But, and so on one level, it was that that whole weekend was incredibly exhausting for me just to be around mm -hmm. people. But it also was very interesting to go, wow, <laughs> human interaction can be feeding. Mm -hmm. How you know, how do I do this? How do I make sure that this continues in my life? And so there's this whole period of, of, of evaluation and reflection after an experience like that. Right, right. And that's an essential part of the reintegration, honestly, because you don't want to lose the, the lesson content from the experience, right? I mean, there's the whole emotional journey that happens with an event like this. But there's also stuff you learn about yourself and about what you want in life and about humanity generally and how humans can be. One of the things that was really striking to me from the very beginning, like the first person that I saw, which was Rachel at the registration table, actually it was before the registration table had been set up. It was Rachel and Joy. And Joy I had met before, but everybody was on it about consent immediately right everybody asked before hugging everybody asked before a handshake it, and we didn't have to make any kind of announcement about it that's just what they were doing yeah and that was so refreshing from as an individual but as a parent as well i'm that sure nobody it was so nice nobody touched my kid without asking her Mm -hmm. if that was okay. Right. And of course she was like, yeah, <laughs> right? uh -huh. but then also having her be around just seeing everybody do that. And that isn't just like what mom is telling her to do. That's just like what everybody is doing. You know, that was so wonderful that we weren't, it, you know, it wasn't like we were fighting to try and like make this the way that it should be. That's just the way it was. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, the implications of that, to me, have a lot to do with what humanity is capable, capable of. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's, it's so easy to be despairing about humanity right now, because we've got some people that are really pretty lost and pretty damaged and, you know, doing a lot of harm. Yeah, we've got a lot of trauma that we're working we, through. We do. Yeah. And part of what was so powerful about this event was that people came with their trauma and they were unapologetic about it and they were really open about it. The ritual that I did after my workshop, the absolution ritual, mm -hmm. which you were not involved with, you, you weren't in that workshop. No, that I, so since I had my kiddo with me, 
we did need to step up aside mm-hmm. sometimes and do some naps and just sure. do some breathing, right? Because yeah, <laughs> because for us that being there was like being in the middle of civilization. It's very right. strange how different people uh, feelings were about it, but it was like being surrounded by people, and we were like, whoa, lots of people. Yeah, let's go breathe for a minute, and that's the part. That's also part of taking care of yourself is recognizing that like you know this is just an open raw so there were some things that i missed uh, a lot of the rites of passage and those kind of rituals but but from what i've heard i mean people were just you know had so much to say about them yeah the there were just a number of times when you know, given, given an inflection point, given a moment when they could either step forward in their human imperfect wounded glory mm-hmm. or step back and protect themselves and be defensive, they chose the first over and over and over again. And this ritual that I did at the end of my um my workshop on how to create an Ethiopian ritual is called the absolution. And I've done it several times before. And Mm -hmm. in a nutshell, what it's about is we have people imagine, just focus and think about the most cringeworthy moment of their life. (laughs) The, The moment that they feel the most shame, the most embarrassment about, and just hold that in their mind. And then ritually one at a time, absolve them of that make it go away have it have it have its power and its weight fade away from their body Mm -hmm. um it's very simple but i mean people have tears streaming down their face and i was you know fighting not to cry because there was so much emotion in the room it was it was just remarkable and i mean i know that for the people that went through that ritual there was a there was a real change in them. And to me, that's just like, okay, all of this stuff, all of this non-theist paganism, atheopaganism, all this stuff that I'm doing is absolutely worth it Yeah, for that moment, for the moment of realizing that you've, you've lightened the load for your fellow humans. It, it felt, well, I wouldn't say this. It, it's not that it felt like a community. It was a community is yeah and it is a community almost none of us had ever seen one another in person before because we came from all over we had people from canada we had someone from mexico we had people from all over the united states mm-hmm. and I was impressed um, how far some folks came yeah yeah people were ready for this they were they were you know the people that that came to this event were like yeah, this is this is the direction I'm going and I'm going to I'm going to jump in with both feet. Yeah. And a, a few folks told me that and this was just so heartwarming to hear that the podcast actually helped them like that that was kind of the thing that got them to to you know take the chance and and come and it was just that was just so wonderful to hear. Yes. Yes. I I think we were talking about one person that you're going to get together with their kids and your kids. Oh, yeah. I'm, pretty, I'm pretty sure that person had first encountered you on YouTube and then heard about the podcast and from mm-hmm. the podcast came into the Atheopagan community. Yeah. 
I think I'd, I'll have to check with him, but I think that's what that's the case. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's something nice too. A, a lot of, a lot of us who are kind of close to each other. Now that mm-hmm. person and I were about six hours apart, but we figured three hours driving each way doesn't sound so bad. Right. Uh-huh. But there's people in the, in the areas are already talking about, well, what, what we can do in the meantime, right. Cause we're not going to do another full one until 2024, but right. we could still get together on, you know, smaller groups and, and that sort of thing. So, right. Well, we, you know, we have that affinity group program, many of which are regional groups. And I know that the Colorado group is really focused on getting together and doing things together now. So yeah. that's, that's exciting. One thing that was, that was, that was a brainstorm in the car while we were driving home is the possibility that we could pick a weekend that would be kind of Ethiopian affinity group gathering weekend. Oh, I see where you're going with this. I like this. Okay. And, and I mean, we could have t-shirts made, right. You know, mm-hmm. um, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And so it would be the same weekend, but the groups would gather like, you know, my local affinity group, which is called the live Oak circle mm-hmm. is the Northern California affinity group. We could gather on that weekend at a local park and do right. a ritual and, and I'm sure folks from a little bit further away would be welcome as well if they didn't have. Of course. Right. Of course. So you, you might get your Oregon or Washington people who are like, well, this is the closest and yeah, I'd love to see. Yeah. So there's, there's lots of ideas about what could be done in the off year. I speaking from the standpoint of having helped to organize this event we can't do it every year. It's just too exhausting. I think it would be too much money for people if we asked them to come every year. Well, I think the every, every other is, now my daughter disagrees, but I think uh. it's a wise choice. <laughs> <laughs> but as an adult, our perception of time is a little bit different than, that, than when you're a kid. I mean, 2024 that, is forever away. That's right. Yeah. So. Well, think about it. That's a third of her life, right? I mean, yeah. <laughs> that's that's you know for me that would be 20 years yeah so that's a long time (laughs) it's a really long time what else do we have to say about this yucca yeah i think really the the main thesis is thinking about how to care for yourself as you transition between these two kind of worlds that this that you've experienced they're both real Yep. Right. But just thinking about in your own life, the, how to be mindful about that. And there might be some little rituals to bring in. Mm-hmm. One thing we've talked about so much before is the idea of grounding, mm-hmm. that that's important in everyday life, but especially in points of transition. Right. And, and there are, yeah. there are little ritual symbolic things, as you say, that we can do. I'm still wearing my registration sun tree symbol from the event. And that was a really lovely touch. Everybody got one of the, the sun tree. It, it's burned, right? Or etched. Yes. Yeah. It's, a, yes, bur- it's, it's, yeah, it's a little wood, wood burned into a, a little wooden pendant medallion. Yeah. Yeah. So we were all wearing those and it was it was cool. So yes, on the one hand, um, I would not want this podcast to in any way dissuade people from seeking these kinds of experiences. Mm-hmm. 
because they enrich our lives so much and they help us to become wiser and kinder and more um more whole right mm -hmm. they heal our wounds so if we've in any way implied that it's a problem that you have this reintegration experience i i, I want to make it clear that's not what we're saying it's it the the experience of going to this retreat for me was an unequivocal good right now but on the on the other hand we're also not saying that you have to do something like this no right no. that if no. this is something you do it's can be amazing and wonderful but you can still be an atheopagan you can still be whatever you are even if the even if being able to go to one of these things just isn't where you're at right now yeah because i know there were a lot of folks who really would have loved to come but didn't have the means to travel or didn't or the schedule wasn't going to work or whatever right 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 which actually brings me to another idea which we haven't really this was a brainstormed idea in the car and we haven't really talked about this at all at the ethiopian council or anything but a possibility would be to have a virtual event maybe in january of 2024 mm -hmm. uh, i'm sorry 2023 yeah. yeah we could do workshops we could have fellowship all that kind of stuff over zoom mm -hmm. so it would be you know possible for people to attend and still get you know a little bit of that that hit that's of a, the person interaction that's a really lovely idea yeah and it'd be There's, a lot easier to organize yes a lot less expensive yes and could allow more people to possibly participate but yeah so basically like a big you know co conference or webinar kind of style yeah 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 and we you know we could have some breakout rooms where people could 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 socialize you know, we'd have big blocks of time available just for people to interact and say hi and introduce themselves and all that good kind of stuff. So I think that's an idea that has some real legs. And I'd like to talk about it at our next um, Ethiopian Society Council meeting, which happens at the end of June. But we'll see, you know, we'll see what there is the capacity to create. I know the organizers of this event, myself included, put in a lot of work. And yeah, and did an amazing job. It well, was thank you. <laughs> you know, everything again, I just keep using the word blown away, but that really is that's that's the sense that I'm coming away with is just everything. I was just blown away by the people and the how well it was organized and the welcomeness and experience and and the location was an amazing location yeah with that beautiful view of pike's peak right there right and um, the food and the kindness of the staff you know the accommodation to dietary considerations mm -hmm. they were just so great about all that um, it was it was it felt remote and yet we were like 10 minutes from i-25 yeah right like yeah. and there were lots of there's so much life there that was really fun there were these squirrels i loved watching these squirrels with the really long um ears yeah and, yeah and just watching them run up these i don't know how tall those ponderosas were those were tall they were just up and down these you know we have ponderosas where i am too but not not like those ones they, yeah, they were some pretty Impressive. pretty clear they they get a little more water than where you are i think i think they get a lot more water than, yeah <laughs> than here yeah and they did the they did a lovely job maintaining the area and there was yes. this huge labyrinth and 
it was just yeah yeah anyways that we yeah. could we could just keep going on about like all the wonderful things yeah but shout out to la foray retreat center in colorado springs because they were wonderful it's it's actually owned by the united church of christ which is a very liberal christian denomination mm -hmm. and a part of their mission is that they're welcoming to everybody and it certainly felt that way every it did you know every staff member that i had any interaction with or watched interacting with anyone else just just seemed very kind and and open and yeah. yeah glad we were there yeah 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 and we were too hmm. so i think that's it for this week's episode of the wonder it is and we appreciate all of you being here with us and we'll see you next week